Welcome to The Spiritual Rabbit Hole, a podcast with spiritual mediums, Nicole, Kristen, and Glenda. Join us as we tap into the spiritual realm, explore the mysteries of the universe, and guide you on a journey of self-discovery. Get ready to open your mind and connect with something greater than yourself. Let's dive into The Spiritual Rabbit Hole. Welcome, everybody. What's up? Welcome. So today we are talking about Kristen's favorite subject, mm-hmm. <laughs> science and spirituality. Boop, boop. Yes. Boop, boop, boop. So today we're going to be touching on some scientific studies about metaphysical practices, uh, energy healing, ESP, quantum physics series, and it's all about how science in some way supports the beliefs in spirituality. Okay, so first we're going to talk about science and spirituality's shared quest for understanding. Both science and spirituality share a common goal of seeking to understand the nature of existence, recognizing interconnectedness, and exploring consciousness. So science and spirituality have some shared universal principles. And the first one is everything is made of energy and the law of conservation of energy and this states that energy cannot be created or destroyed it can only be transferred or converted from one form to another the law of conservation of energy is actually where albert einstein's equation e equals mc squared comes from which Mm -hmm. is energy equals mass times the speed of light squared because he discovered that matter can be broken down into energy because it used to be believed that I think there were two separate laws. Law of conservation of matter, law of conservation of energy. Yes. And when he discovered matter or mass, they're both pretty much the same thing, could be broken down into energy, it turned into one law itself, which is actually now the first law of thermodynamics, mm. which states that energy can't be created or destroyed, and it can only be converted from one form to another, just like what Kristen was saying. And this is why we understand or how we understand spirit, energy, or consciousness to continue on after our physical body dies. Right. And, you know, when I was a kid in science class, um, and I'm sure you guys had this too um, with your abilities, I always would have these deep thoughts on life after death and spirits and ghosts like at a very young age it was just something that was always on my mind Mm -hmm. and when I heard that the first time in science class it was like a light bulb went off and it was like oh yeah that's that's the the heaven that's people continuing after life and it and it it was such an important thing for me to hear it like you know put that piece together for me so that's where your love for science and spirituality began. That's when it started. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't thinking that deep. I was thinking, oh, what the hell is that in the corner of my room? <laughs> <laughs> well, that too, a little bit. Yeah. Why do I feel so angry and I have no reason to be angry right now? Or why, is it, why do why I is feel that? like I'm being watched constantly? Oh, yeah. Why, my room? yeah. why am I scared by everything? I'm startled mm-hmm. constantly. Yes. Why is everything, you know, but why am I also fascinated by all the scary movies and haunting stuff and, you I'm know, playing exploring. Ouija board? Yes. <laughs> like all the things. I didn't really think about the science part of it. So that that's, that's what makes you special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm special. So all energy is vibration. In the world of physics, energy means the ability to work. At the smallest level, the tiny particles that make up everything, like atoms, wiggly round and its vibration can that produce energy wiggly round (laughs) yeah wiggle around so like when so when atoms are just kind of moving yeah 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 that 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 little wiggle or that little kind of vibration and it's the frequency of that particle right right right, yeah and it's that's what creates the energy Mm-hmm. So yep. everything has some kind of movement to it, mm-hmm. even if you don't physically see it moving. Yeah. Right. You know, that's well, why things like heated things, the particles are moving faster because they have more energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah or, we're really getting into science here. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> or like visible light spectrum, the waves are different, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The waves yeah. of energy. So we are only we only see certain frequencies yeah. of those waves. But 
there's so many that we don't see, which to us, that could be spirit, right? It's just outside of most people's spectrums or like spectrum. Yes. So yeah, but that makes sense. If everything is energy and all energy has vibration, everything is vibrating at some frequency. Mm -hmm. So in as what we do as mediums, as psychics, we're sensitive to that energy and we're able to translate that vibration into something, whether it's visual, auditorily. Is it auditorily? <laughs> Did I just make up a word? Maybe. I don't know. I, Hearing it, it right? <laughs> seeing it, feeling it, all the different English isn't senses. my thing. That's your thing. <laughs> Not tonight, apparently. <laughs> no, I think it sounded right. Yeah, it did. You just leave it in there, take it out, whatever I you want to le- leave it because it, it stemmed it off my wiggle <laughs> around. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We're having, you know, we're having fun with words. It could be our new segment. Today. Fun with words. So if you all have listened to our past podcast, you might be familiar with a lot of spiritual practices that we have discussed a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so next we're going to talk about some scientific studies that could potentially support these spiritual practices. So we've talked about Reiki healing in the past. Um, We're all three uh, certified in Reiki healing. G does the most Reiki healing out of all of us. She is the healer. And Reiki is a type of, of a biofield therapy. And there have been some studies on the human biofield yeah, there was a clinical study of biofield therapies done by the National Institute of Health, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where NIH. they had discussed, yeah, NIH, where they had discussed biofield um, as being, quote, a massless field, not necessarily electromagnetic, that surrounds and permeates living bodies and affects the body. And they went on because this was originally from a conference in 1992. But this, mm-hmm. this study that is referenced from November 1st, 2015 on the NIH website, we'll share the link in the description. We'll share all the links in the description from where we got this information and books and things like that. But on the website where they discuss this study, they go on to say that they believe the biofield is an androgynous generated fields, which may play a significant role in information transfer processes that contribute to an individual's state of mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. Every person also has an electromagnetic field around them. And which is part of the biofield. Which is part of the biofield. It's not the only thing that's in the biofield. Right. So like the electromagnetic field is produced by the, electric, the electricity that is generated by your brain and your heart. Mm-hmm. So... It's not like you're giving off a ton of voltage or anything. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there is an electromagnetic field generated by your body naturally. Right. And, you know, your, yours is um, bumping into the electromagnetic field of everyone and everything, right? The universe is basically yeah. an electromagnetic field. Is it the electromagnetic field or the biofield or both? Well, I guess if the electromagnetic field is part of the biofield. Yes. And the other part of the biofield, I think, is what I believe to be – because they, I think they refer to it in the article as subtle – Energies. Subtle energies, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I wonder if that's their way of saying soul or spirit or right. – Well, you know. from, from what I understand in like reading the medical intuition books that I've been reading is um, – Subtle energies is like, you know, you have the different layers, actually. There's like seven layers. Yeah. And uh-huh. so sometimes they refer to each layer as like a yeah. subtle energy. That's true. But does the medical field refer to eat, like recognize those layers of the biofield, of the aura? Because that's what you do in Reiki. You do the, and it's based on the chakras, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like there's the physical, the mental, the emotional, like all the different whatever the chakra relates to Mm -hmm. or the main focuses of that chakra. And, you know, the chakras are very close to a lot of the glands in the endocrine system. Yeah, the clusters Mm -hmm. of nerves, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The highway, the the meridians are like the the roads. Mm -hmm. And then the chakras are kind of like the major intersections. Mm -hmm. I always think of them as like the clover leaves, you know? 
you know, when you're getting on an interstate and all the roads are coming. Oh, I see. Like if you're at at an aerial (laughs) view, it's like, where is she going? Yes, aerial view. (laughs) Yes. They do make clover leaves. That's funny. That's what I think of when I think of like, that's what chakras are. Like the meridians are all the roads that are coming into the, you know, the merging onto the interstate. Yeah. (laughs) And those uh, clover leaf intersections or interchanges are what the chakras are. That's how I, that's how I visualize it. No, I like that. There have been experiments on power of positive positive thinking and well-known experiments looked at the impact of positive thoughts on water. This associated is with Dr. Masaru Imoto. So Dr. Imoto is also the guy who did the cups of rice that was all over social media. He had three cups of rice and he said really nice things to one cup. In the second cup, he had said really negative things to that you know the rice in that cup and in the third cup he ignored it completely and the cup that was ignored completely rotted the quickest and turned black the one with the positive talk to it stayed the cleanest the longest so it's really interesting it really shows you know how our words have vibration right mm-hmm. the frequency of how what we're saying like just the energy behind our words affects the people and the things that we direct the words to. So that brings us to law of vibration. So the law of vibration is all about how everything is vibrating. So when we speak words that are vibrating at a lower frequency or a negative frequency, it's impacting the things that we direct our vibration, our words to. You know, and that's even if we're speaking to ourselves. Yes. Right. So if we want to speak to ourselves or if we want ourselves to be in a good vibration, a high vibration, that's going to keep us in a positive energy, mm-hmm. we want to say kind things to ourselves. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, and and kind things to the people around us because we don't want to have angry people yes. around us. Right. Right. And, you know, we're mostly made of water. But yeah, so and it's not, you know, his his experiment isn't just about the law of vibration. It also mm-hmm. explains the mind-body connection, right, Kristen? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Going into that with the body made of water, but yes. So spiritual perspectives often recognize the interconnectedness of the mind and body. Positive thoughts and intentions are seen as not only influencing mental well-being, but also contributing to physical health and healing. So again, our bodies are mostly made of water. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I believe that we can heal our bodies with positive intentions. I have been following Dr. Joe Dispenza for a while, and I've read his book, uh, Becoming Supernatural. Well, I read half of his book, Becoming Supernatural. (laughs) I need to finish it. Um, But he's all about teaching um, types of meditation where you are sending certain intentions to and telling your body what to do to heal. This could also tie into the placebo effect. Oh, yeah. And Dr. David R. Hamilton talks about that quite a bit in his Why Woo Woo Works book. Mm-hmm. which is a great book that talks about a lot of different scientific studies, by the way. So go get it if you're interested in this topic. Um, in addition to The Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. We yeah. do not get paid for these. No. <laughs> but They're just I really love, good books. Yeah. love his book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you something really cool that I, I'm not 100% sure if I healed it myself, but we can say I did. So – I started to feel like um, I had a mole on my back changing. This was like last summer. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I had just been watching all of his YouTube things and reading his book. And I was worried that like, you know, it could be turning into something bad. And so I started meditating in the shower and I would imagine sending healing light to this mole. And I kept sending it to this mole over and over again. And so I went into the dermatologist and they said, yeah, it's changed. We need to take it off and examine it. So I said, okay. So what's interesting is when they took it off, they said, and I can't remember the verbiage, but that they can tell that it started to heal itself. So they said it was worse before they actually saw it mm-hmm. because they can tell if it starts to heal. 
like the tissue. Mm -hmm. And so I said, so you're saying that you could heal cancer, your body can heal cancer on its own. He said, yeah, you can, but not, not like, oh yeah, you can always do it. But he's saying, no, yeah, your body does sometimes attack something bad Mm -hmm. and it can get rid of it. But so the way they could see the outline of the cells is they could tell that it had started to heal itself. Mm. And I thought, huh, (laughs) very interesting. (laughs) And that's what that Becoming Supernatural book is all about. Yeah. And I think both of the books that we mentioned very much, I mean, the placebo effect, if you're, if you don't know what the placebo effect is, it's a lot of studies, they give people like half of the people or maybe a third of the people a medication that is meant to treat a problem. Mm -hmm. And then the other half or a third of them, they give a medication that they say is meant to treat the problem, but really it's just like vitamin C or something. Yeah. You know, Mm it doesn't do anything. There's actually no medication. And they find that with the placebo effect, that medication that is believed to be medicine but it is not is a placebo. Yeah. People who believe that they are taking something that is healing mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. fixing a problem will actually improve because they believe it is working. Mm-hmm. And that connects to that mind-body connection and the manifesting through intention. Right. So, yeah, any aspect of your life, having setting the intention of things being – having a good outcome – Mm-hmm. And that things are going to go well, or that your body is going to heal, or mm-hmm. that you're going to recover, or you know, you know, really having setting the having the mentality of a positive outcome mm-hmm. definitely affects your body physically. Yes, for sure. And it always cracks me up because a lot of science, when they look into some stuff that we do, they always, they say, "Oh, it's just the placebo effect." And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, so that means it works. <laughs> you know I mean if you that's like if you believe it and it helps you and you get better it works who cares why is this a bad thing right yeah there's a lot of cases of um with cancer people have like you know stage four whatever and they call it spontaneous remission Mm -hmm. you know and it's funny because they'll call it that but then if you look at the habits of the person when it spontaneously went into remission, it was they were doing mind body things. They were meditating. They did prayer. They did, you know, Reiki healing. They changed their diet. They took care of their body. They did all the things. So it's not really quite spontaneous, right? There was a reason behind it. Yeah. They're setting the intention. They're They're setting the intention. They're making an effort. Right. Now we're still saying go to the doctor. Yes. Do yes. your thing. You're not medical you know, professionals. We're not saying don't do all those <laughs> things, you know, but we're saying you can do these things in conjunction. You know, right. it's mm-hmm. not going to hurt you it's as you're going through treatment yes. right. to do these things, you know. And the doctor wasn't telling me you can always heal your skin cancer or something, but he's saying it happens. Right. So kindness and compassion can help people heal as well. A study conducted at the University of California, Riverside, reveals that patients who felt a sense of connection and support from their healthcare providers tended to recover more quickly. The yeah. emotional support provides the acts of kindness may contribute to a more positive and healing environment. I absolutely believe mm-hmm. that. Yes. You know, what's funny is my mom had knee surgery and I took her to go get her checkup after surgery. They actually had a sign in the doctor's office saying, be kind to people because it helps them heal. Yeah. And I thought, what? That's awesome that they put that in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, They're yeah. starting to come around to these little things make such a difference. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of hospitals that actually have Reiki practitioners they do. Yeah. on staff. On staff, yeah. yeah. It really is- helps. It's so exciting that that's even, you know, because that says that the scientific world, the medical world is opening up They're to opening these to yeah. practices. Now, they don't always admit that they think it's an energy thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, yeah. No, they're not they're They not might say just that. say, oh, well, it makes our patients happy. But it makes you know them again, feel comfortable. If they're happy, they're going to heal more comfortable. faster. Right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I know because like for me, I've had three different – all three of my kids were born cesarean, all three different hospitals. Mm-hmm. The first hospital had a big room. Everything was brand new, real nice. Staff was not very kind. Mm. 
And I had probably the worst healing. I had all kinds of infections. I had all kinds of issues when I was there. Not Mm -hmm. saying that it's because they were not that kind. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. But the second hospital I went to, everything was a little bit older. Mm -hmm. The rooms were smaller. But oh my gosh, the staff was amazing. Yeah. Best hospital staff. I've And I've been in and out of hospitals for myself, for family members. Yeah. I've spent way too much time in hospitals. But it makes – it does. It makes such – it difference. makes a huge yeah, difference when you, when you and I have to say, mad props to people in the medical field. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, you guys have been through a lot. lot. Yeah, yes. nurses in the last are in the last three four amazing. years. I mean, more so than ever. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all the service and all the work that you do. And if you can still do it with kindness in your heart, God bless you. Because holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. But you I have think a you. say. They got a level of patience. <laughs> I'm not sure I have in me, but they're you great. Know you're really doing it for for the so spiritual teachings often encourage that you cultivate positive intentions for the benefit of yourself and others. Because acts of kindness and compassion and service are always seen as pathways towards spiritual growth and interconnectedness. So again, in that book, Why Woo Woo Works, Doctor mm-hmm. David Hamilton calls oxytocin, the main kindness hormone. Mm. He states that just like when we experience stress, our bodies will physiologically react. So Mm. when we experience kindness, whether by someone being kind to us or us being kind to others, Mm -hmm. the kindness hormone, aka oxytocin, is released and it helps you to feel less stressed and happier. Mm -hmm. Which then can make your pain less too. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because I actually wanted to talk about, too, um, when you're talking about healing quicker, mm-hmm. and I didn't find a source for this. I read this years ago, but it was about patients heal faster if they can either go outside or if they put a TV screen in them and only show nature pictures. You know what? And that actually, I'm going to jump to the section that I put at the end of this section because, it, again, the Why Woo Woo Works by Dr. Hamilton, he discussed Mm -hmm. a study from May 2017 where they had a group of 83 people walking the same route in a city in in the Czech Republic, and they all had headphones on. Mm. And a third of them had um, city sounds, Mm -hmm. another third had no sound, and another third had nature sounds. Mm. And they found within this study that the people with the nature sounds walked slower the people with the traffic and city sounds walk really fast in like this hurried kind of panic state, mm-hmm. right? But in the same, and then the people that had no sound, it was like in between the two. Mm-hmm. In the same study, they took them different paths. Mm-hmm. All the whole group, they took the path of going through a major city section where it's all buildings and cars and stuff like that. And again, they were panicky and hurried and going quickly. But then they took them through a part of the city that was mostly trees mm-hmm. and saw animals and mostly grass and not really any buildings. And everybody was happier and they were walking all slow. So it's not just seeing nature that helps calm you and stre- you know relieve stress, but hearing it too. So what you just said makes complete sense that if someone is trying to recover something in a hospital and they get to go outside – or they have a view of either on the TV or through their window of nature in some form or fashion can actually help them heal. So it's funny. But I know it's more than that. Nature can help even more than just through sights and sounds, right? So part of, you know, being in nature and nature helping you heal is um, grounding, you know, and we talk about grounding all the time. Yes. With your energy and, you know, we ground because we like to clear our bodies of excess energy that's not needed mm-hmm. or wanted and connect with nature as well. So the earth carries a negative charge and you think negative sounds bad, but it's actually the opposite, <laughs> a negative right. electric electrical charge. And when a person's skin, probably more your feet, but you could put your hands on the ground, there is an electron exchange between your body and right. Um, the ground. And the theory is that the electron exchange kind of neutralizes positive charges. And positive charges, again, we think of that would be, oh, the good thing, but a positive charge is actually um, the free radicals that cause um, cellular damage and inflammation and all that. Um, So it can potentially reduce 
the effects of free radicals. It creates balance in your body and allows the energy to flow more appropriately, I think. Yeah. When you do that. And it helps. And some people, you know, it's, it's, some people believe that it reduces inflammation, improves Mm -hmm. sleep, reduces pain, and improves the circulation of your blood flow too, not just your energy. Right. So if they say it's really good to do, you know, there are some of us that just get kind of creeped out but their feet on the ground. And me that and I know at least one of our listeners, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's going to love that shout out, by the way. She's going to be so excited about that. But you that. know what? I It's cold here. Like the temperature tonight was be 29. It was chilly <laughs> when I took my dog out today, but I sure as heck hu- hugged my tree. I was going to say. I gave my walnut tree, tree a big yeah. old hug. <laughs> I didn't put my bare feet on the ground, yeah. but I gave my walnut tree a big old hug. So. You know, there's lots of different ways to physically connect with nature. The best way is bare feet on the earth. You know, you touching the tree would still make sense because the tree is in connection with the earth. So, Mm -hmm. you know, other ways of grounding that they have tested um, are if you can – people have those grounding mats or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I guess they have to be – like they have to have a plug into the actual ground. Yeah, they even have those sheets. Also, but yeah. they, they should yeah. be plugged into the ground, like the See, metal part. I wondered do, if they plug it into – not that you should plug in anything and, and put your body on it if it's on the wall, but right. like because there's a grounding <laughs> wire. I mean because outlets are grounded or yeah. they're supposed to be. That's interesting though because when I used to meditate up in my room – like I would meditate up in my bedroom, which was the third level. Mm-hmm. I would imagine – because, you know, we always talk about like – roots going from our feet imagine yeah. roots growing yeah. from your feet into the ground i would do that and i would have it follow the wall and i would imagine oh. it going all the way down from the wall into the earth so maybe i was imagining it going through the electrical <laughs> maybe, thing you never know <laughs> it's faster <laughs> but i think from what i read with the studies your grounding mat or whatever needs to literally have its plug in the ground mm-hmm. oh, like a, a electrical Their something rods. Kind of put like a metal. into the yeah. yeah yeah metal yeah that makes sense so influence on the circadian rhythms is your biological clock that affects your sleep patterns this the exposure to natural light and the earth's daily cycles may help regulate circadian rhythms grounding may play a role in this process affecting hormones sleep patterns and overall well-being yeah that's why they say when you wake up you should see sunlight right away my understanding is if you have, I think it's like two hours of sunlight a day, um, it helps increase your serotonin levels. And when those are high, when it's time to go to sleep, your melatonin levels will then be high so you can sleep. Um, I think I've heard something like that before. So we kind of touched a little bit on meditation and how it helps with your health, but uh-huh. we want to go a little bit more in depth, right? Mm-hmm. So in 2011... Sarah Lazar and her team at Harvard found that mindfulness can change the structure of your brain. So mindfulness is actually another way of saying meditation. Meditation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In the mindfulness study that she did, that they did, they found that mindfulness helps improve memory and learning as well as regulating emotion and processing self-references. It also decreases the part of your brain that houses fear and stress and anxiety. That's a major thing. So this this study, yeah, it's a big thing because it shows that meditation can not only change how our brain functions, mm-hmm. but how we perceive and how we how we emote towards things or how we feel towards different things. Yeah. So that's a really interesting yeah. thing. The American Heart Association actually recommends meditation to improve your health and well-being. Their website states that recent studies have offered promising results about the impact of meditation in reducing blood pressure. There's also evidence that it can help people manage insomnia, depression, and anxiety. And I was reading a lot of studies that were big on um, it helping depression specifically um, Mm -hmm. and for people that were depression medication wasn't working as well for them. And when they added meditation, that it really, really helped. So that's, you know, that's major. So when we keep throwing meditation at you guys, it's for a lot of reasons. Yeah, yeah. it helps with a lot. I mean, we're not just throwing it out there just because. 
Yeah. It helps when I'm a lot. struggling with falling asleep, I definitely mm-hmm. am like, all right, let me meditate. Now that can go one of two ways. Well, yeah, <laughs> right. Being a medium that can open you up big time. Yeah. So, but then most of the time it can make me just totally pass out and I get relaxed and calm, mm-hmm. you know. But it's I love that there's a lot of like elementary schools that are teaching mindfulness mm-hmm. at least around where I live, mm-hmm. and it's a great way to. It's a good tool to have in your toolbox for coping with stress. Yes. 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 You know, because that's not something that I learned growing up. Yeah. For sure. No. And it makes sense that they're doing it in schools because what you just read is it it increased the size of the brain, that little part of the brain that yeah, helps learning, with learning. Processing information, yeah. Recognition. Sure. So obviously <laughs> mediums use meditation to clear the mind so they can receive information from spirit and learn to listen to the intuition with less mind chatter. Right, ladies? Yep. Absolutely. Yes, it is key if you are working on your spiritual abilities mm-hmm. to figure out a way to meditate. Because <laughs> some people struggle with it, you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We need to do an episode just on meditation, by the way. Yes, yeah. we do. So breathwork is a really good practice that we all do mm-hmm. on a regular basis. But I love this guy named Wim Hof. I don't know if you guys know him. I forget where he's from. I meant to write that down, but I forget where he's from. Um, He has this whole method where you do this controlled breathing. Yep. And it totally regulates your parasympathetic nervous system response. Mm -hmm. And it stops your sympathetic nervous system from going crazy. You know, like the fight or flight thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he actually teaches people how to control their breathing to control their panic response. Mm-hmm. He's also the guy that goes in the big ice baths. You guys have probably seen him. You got to probably have really good control. Yeah, because he's like, if you get your breathing under control, you can get your thinking under control. And then if you get your thinking under control, you get your your body under mm-hmm. control. So on his website, uh, specifically on his um, section about science, the wimhoffmethod.com forward slash science, mm-hmm. he has all these different studies that they've done on him. There was even one time, I believe it was in the Netherlands, that they injected him with E. coli. Mm-hmm. And with his breath work, he was able to like have 50% less of the symptoms that he should have been getting. Oh, wow. He actually had an anti-inflammatory response. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me for a lot of reasons because when you're constantly in fight or flight, your immune system is weak. It's yeah. not mm-hmm. going to be as strong. So. Because all your body's energy is going into getting you the heck out of there or fighting off whatever is going on. Your yeah. brain also, like, you know, you're more like quick thinking and you can't think things through either mm-hmm. when you're in flight or fight. So that makes sense too where it helps you – clear and calm your mind when you can get out of that flight or fight and get into what they call rest and digest that's 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 the other side of flight you or know fight. i i should pr- probably get more familiar with that other side rest and digest <laughs> rest, rest and, and digest. digest because you when you're in flight or fight mm-hmm. you um your nerves aren't firing or putting as much attention on your digestion yeah right because so. they're going all to like save your ass yeah they're in save your ass yeah. mode mm-hmm. <laughs> which is necessary sometimes but a lot of us stay and flight or fight all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's so true so get working on your breath work yeah folks psychics and mediums like us both use breath to connect with spirit or universal energy and breath work like we said relaxes the body but in relaxing the body it allows a more clear channel for spirit to communicate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. One of the things I do when I'm prepping for a reading is I just say, you know, allow my body to relax, remove all the sensation of pain, worry, doubt, concern. And I sit and I just breathe and allow myself to be clear minded mm-hmm. and don't let any of my personal problems or, or worries or physical distress, you know, distract me from any information that's coming in. Mm-hmm. And breath work definitely helps a lot with that. And of course, meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. I've I've um, also learned or read, 
And I think it makes sense. They say our breath is our connection with our higher selves, our spirit. Well, what do they say? I think in in Hawaii, right? It used to be you do head to head, right? Yes. And you share your breath and breath is life. Well, actually. Or is that wrong? (laughs) They might not do it after COVID. Oh, no, Uh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. you, You actually breathe in. You don't breathe out. You breathe oh, in. Sorry. I guess people don't oh, like better blowing in their face. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> I think. But is the there. the idea is like sharing life with yeah. the person or something, yeah. right? Yeah. So breath is life. The whole yeah. idea of breath being life. Oh, so, I love that. Yes. Yeah. It's called ha. Really cool. Is it like mm-hmm. your third eye to their third eye too? As Kristen puts her head to the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> What that would do? Yes, like that. (laughs) I didn't pick that one through. (laughs) So obviously, we use crystals, but science also uses crystals uh, in electronics, such as cell phones, satellites, watches, clocks, computer chips, sonar, ultrasounds, radios, microphones, and data storage. The list goes on, and um, their crystals are good conductors of energy, and they also can, from what I understand, they can program a certain frequency or vibration to be in the crystal before they um, like attach it in the electronic, so it can hold a certain vibration, which is pretty cool. Okay, so there's this newer thing called Superman crystals. I don't know if you guys have seen the Superman movies. I don't know. I haven't seen the newer ones, but in the old ones you know, Clark Kent, Superman goes into the crystal cave and he inserts these crystals and they store all these like videos of his father and information about his home planet and everything like that. Well, now they're actually using types of crystals to store data and information on similar to how they did in Superman. Yeah, it's really crazy. But in in the spiritual, so that's the science world. The spiritual version of that, there's what what people call Lumerian Lumerian crystal or Lumerian quartz crystals. G's yes. holding one right She's now. She's holding up yes. a big one. <laughs> and um, it's believed that these crystals have a code ingrained in them, and you can see there's like lines in the crystal, mm-hmm. and those that code. Uh, contains ancient knowledge from the people of Lumeria Mm -hmm. and they imprinted that knowledge into that crystal. So Lumeria, if you're not familiar with it, and I might be saying it wrong, it is believed that it is, it was, what, what, was it an island? I can't remember. But it was was kind of around the same time or same idea of Atlantis, right? Yeah. yeah, I think it was yeah. after Atlantis, wasn't it? Or I can't remember. Not same same it's, it's the same idea of like these ancient people that were advanced, but they were more connected to nature. Yeah. And I believe Atlanteans were more connected to technology. So it's it's believed that if you are if you're spiritual and you practice spiritual spirituality, if you are able to get your hands on a Lumerian quartz crystal. You can tap into that ancient knowledge. Mm. It's pretty cool. I've not done that. I, no, I don't I've never think, heard of that. I don't think I own a Lemurian quartz crystal. G, How do you, you know the tapping? difference? There's I like have. you can see like these these yeah. lines and that are naturally inside the crystal, mm-hmm. and mm. yeah, you're supposed to be able to tap into it and gain like yeah. uh, either a stronger connection to ancient wisdom mm-hmm. or actual information. Have you ever tapped into that, G? I have a little bit because it was like a really deep um, rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, we love rabbit holes here and at we the Spiritual do. Rabbit Hole. We do. <laughs> but yeah, so in, in spirituality, all of us, the three of us, and so many people like to use crystal energy to help with healing. Like, G, do you use crystals with your Reiki? I do not, actually. Oh. No. I use the violet flame. Flame on! <laughs> oh okay but i know i know because i have a good friend who's a reiki master and she uses a lot of crystals i remember the first time i wasn't really familiar with crystals when i first met her yeah. and she she did reiki a reiki session with me and i told her about this pain i had that had i'd had for like a decade in my shoulder and i didn't know this but underneath the blankets that she had laid me on she had put a crystal underneath where my shoulder was 
And while she was performing Reiki, my shoulder got really, really hot. And I was like, what is going on? And she wasn't even near my shoulder. I could feel her like by my feet. So afterward, I was like, do you have like a heating pad? Like it's right in this spot right here. And I pulled it back and that was a crystal. <laughs> I was like, oh. what the heck? But it totally relaxed like this giant deep knot that I had in my muscles for like forever. And it felt good for so, so, so long. So I know that there a lot of people use crystals um, to help with healing. Yeah. I've actually taken a course with crystal healing. So I love to use crystals on a regular basis. You know, there's like ways you can prescribe certain crystals based on what somebody needs. So I love doing that. Uh, a lot of people use crystals for protection and clearing. We've talked about that in this podcast. Go check out the protection episode and the energy clearing episode. Um, our favorite crystals, ladies, what do you use for protection most often? Uh, obsidian. Yeah, me too. Termal black tourmaline. Black tourmaline. Yeah, those are those are two of my favorite. And clearing energy, what crystals do you use? Selenite. Yeah, selenite. That um, before readings, but like for negative thoughts, smoky quartz. I like to use clear quartz. So yeah. So there's lots of different crystals that you can use for different purposes. If you're new to spirituality and you want to explore more about that, we have some information on our website, solonavoyage.com. You can reach out to one of us and we can help you. Um, there's lots of great resources. Some of our favorite books are by Judy Hall, like the Crystal Bibles. I have all three. Mm -hmm. I use them on a regular yep. basis. So. I use them all the time. Yeah. Almost every reading, really, because spirit will give me a crystal or tell me one, and some of them I've never heard of. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I have to go look this up because I don't know what the properties are. Yeah, that is fun mm -hmm. when you get that as a symbol from spirit to like have an idea of what it is that a client might need to hear or need to heal or need to work on. Yeah, mm -hmm. crystals are also used to help you focus energy if you need um, confidence boost, um, if you actually need help improving your spiritual abilities. Mm -hmm. And one of the most common psychic crystals, I believe it's called, is the amethyst. Yep. So if that's one of the first crystals everybody gets, especially yeah. when they're first working with their abilities. But yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of crystals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they're just so pretty too. <laughs> On top of, you know, their properties. Yeah. They're so pretty to look at. Yeah. I love them everywhere. So uh, did you guys know that many institutions and organizations that study mediumship, ESP, near-death experiences, and reincarnation? One of them is the Division of Perceptual Studies, DOPS or DOPS, at the University of Virginia, and they've actually conducted research studies about reincarnation. Mm -hmm. And their work involves investigating cases where people, most often children, claim to remember their past lives. You know, and it's really, really interesting because I have a nephew who's talked about a little bit about a past life. I remember mm -hmm. my daughter telling me, Mommy, last time I was your mommy. And it's funny because she's very, very nurturing and maternal mm -hmm. towards me, mm -hmm. which is weird. <laughs> I mean, I love it. And I it's such a, a unique uh, bond between the two of us. But mm -hmm. it's really, really interesting um, to hear all the stories and, and see all the research done on, on children who can still recall their past lives. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's somebody – isn't there um, – uh, a famous spiritualist guy that you follow, Kristen, that remembers like everything from his past lives. What is his name? Oh yeah, Matteo Matthias de yes. Stefano. Yeah, oh, yeah. His, his it's pretty interesting because he doesn't just remember the past lives, every life. Mm -hmm. He remembers all the in between things. Yeah, that's wild. Oh. So it's kind of interesting to hear him cool. talk. So yeah. So over the years, researchers have documented numerous cases of young children who reported detailed memories of a previous life, and it includes the name of the person that they were, um, places and events, or people that they were associated with. They've collected extensive data on these cases and examining birthmarks or birth defects that appear to correspond to injuries or wounds from the claimed past life which is really cool. And they they have this on um, – they talk about this a little bit on that documentary on Netflix, right? Surviving Death, is that the one? I think that's what it is. Yeah, they yeah. kind of follow them around and they tell about their research, how they do it, why it's mainly kids. And sometimes, you know, by the time they're older, they forget. Like they don't remember it as well. 
So yeah. um, Dr. Brian Weiss talks about that in his book. I was too. just going to oh, say. Yeah. <laughs> and he says you have to ask them when they're young mm-hmm. because they'll forget. The only thing my daughter, uh, Kate, my youngest, has said is um, she told me once that she comes from – she pointed up at the sky or she used to be in the sky is what she said. And I didn't – so I just said, okay. <laughs> but she was like three when she said that, and I tried to get more information out of her, and she just went and started playing. So oh. who knows what that meant. Okay, so Docs also conducted research on near-death experiences. The division has explored various aspects of NDEs, which are profound and often trans- transformative experiences reported by individuals who have come close to, to death. And so some of the key findings and areas of investigation include consistency in the experiences. So DOPS researchers have noted consistent themes in accounts of near-death experiences across diverse cultures Mm -hmm. and elements such as a sense of peace, encountering a light, and a life review were frequently reported. And that goes along with things that we have seen, right? Like we've been shown life report, life reviews from spirit too. So the next finding to me is really fascinating because it kind of really makes you think. Um, so they explored cases where individuals undergoing a near-death experience reported verifiable information about their surroundings or events during the period when they were clinically unconscious. For example... They might have been able to see something going on in another level of a hospital, you know, where Mm -hmm. their body was not. Or maybe somebody at their house, but their body was unconscious at the hospital. And so they've been able to take the claims of the person and then cross-reference that with the people that they saw. So that's pretty cool. Researchers have examined long-term impact of near-death experience on individuals, like life changes. Many people report positive transformations such as decreased fear of death, increasing increased compassion, and re-evaluation of life priorities. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. You no longer stress about the little things and you have a, a stronger appreciation for life itself. Oh, yeah. 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 And like not fear of death because it was such a peaceful experience, you know? Think mm-hmm. about having that fear totally gone. And then just being able to live so freely. I had the uh, reevaluation of priorities after I almost fell off the cliff. (laughs) Yeah. A positive outcome, right? I mean, obviously, because you didn't die, but because it helped you, yeah, reevaluate things. That's cool, G. So there are some theories of quantum mechanics that actually coincide with spirituality a little bit. And just to be clear, quantum mechanics is a branch of physics that describes the behavior of matter and energy at the atomic and subatomic level. And one key concept in quantum mechanics is superposition, which allows particles such as electrons or photons, which are in all of us, to exist in multiple states at the same time. And they can exist as a wave or a particle or both. So that really makes you think. So what they've found when they're trying to study if it is a wave or a particle, more so photons, they found if they're not observing it, if there's no observer, it's in a wave form. Mm. As soon as they Mm -hmm. start to observe the particle, it becomes, or as soon as they start to observe the photon, then it becomes a particle, which is amazing. The observer literally changes what it is like the physical composition of it i guess so see that's that's that that goes i want to go down a rabbit hole yes because (laughs) well what that supports is a few things is a lot of things that we talk about Mm -hmm. right the whole concept of it though is kind of confusing if you cannot think outside of the box to an extreme right Mm -hmm. because it makes me think, well, how the heck do they measure this? Yeah. Like I understand it's the yeah. – because it's, it's the idea of the light being shined through certain It's like a lines, double right? slit experiment mm-hmm. is yeah, what they the call double, it. Yeah, the double – yeah. And it, it, 
if someone is is uh, observing it, it changes the layout of the changes light to spray. matter almost, right? Because yeah. a particle would be matter, a wave would be vibration, pure energy, yeah, vibration, yeah, yeah. So that, and I think it, I wonder if it's dependent on how the person is perceiving, and not just who is look or, or that someone that someone is, is looking. looking, yeah. Because like if it's because if you and I can look at the same thing and see something totally different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what if there was like somebody who has no belief in spirit and you and I both see a spirit? Mm-hmm. Is it – do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like if if spirit is energy, right? Yeah. And if us understanding that we can see and visualize and perceive energy in that mm-hmm. spiritual form makes it easier for us to see it. But does it make it visible for somebody who is not open to that perception? Like, that's what I'm asking is like. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. That was in one of the books I read. It was. a Wait, what is true? I think that's (laughs) true that. If we, if you and I are in a room with somebody who doesn't believe in spirit at all. They're not going to perceive it. They won't. Okay. That was my question was that, is it dependent on the beliefs of the person that's perceiving that? thing could i mean theoretically (laughs) i was like i want to go down a rabbit hole because now i'm like you know how because you know like beauty is in the eye of the beholder yeah Mm -hmm. and how everybody witness accounts are not a hundred percent accurate because everybody perceives the same situation differently yeah right you know so it's like it it there's a lot there's a lot behind it. There's a lot of meat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, yeah. And the theories behind that. So there's a few theories behind what that could mean. Yeah. And one of them could be that there's showing that there is always an infinite possibility. You can make what you want it to be, right? So the waveform is all possibility. Yeah. Yes, it's all possibilities because mm-hmm. – and then the other tricky thing, which I, we didn't put on here. Oh, there's fireworks behind me. Okay. <laughs> How did that? Oh, no. She's frozen. And she's frozen oh. in the fireworks. <laughs> awesome. Um, Everything is awesome. The other thing is oh. they. it is hard for them to measure. And like if they had an electron cloud, mm-hmm. they in quantum mechanics, there really is no position they can't it's only a probability of it appearing in a certain place Mm. which is really interesting too and again that's infinite possibility and that's in everybody and i I think it kind of relates to the idea of you know how people say the universe has everything you need and it's just waiting for you to yes know that you're uh worthy of it Mm -hmm. and to move towards it and to recognize it Mm-hmm. You know, opportunity is always available, but if you don't see it and you're not looking for it, you're never going to experience it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that makes sense in a lot of different aspects of spirituality. It's really interesting. Quantum entangle- entanglement or what I- Albert Einstein calls spooky action at a distance <laughs> is a phenomenon in quantum physics where two or more particles like electrons or photons become connected in such a way that the state of one particle is directly related to the state of another, regardless of the physical distance between them. This connection continues even if the particles are separated by a huge distance. Yeah. Even like like a light year distance wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. So if they manipulate the one, then the other one would automatically adjust to what the other particle's doing no matter how big of the distance, because Mm -hmm. they're entangled, I guess, energetically. Think about that for a second. And also, it's instant. They said it's seemingly faster than the speed of light, which we've always I'm wondering how they study this. Well, this is very hard. That's why they said seemingly, because the the, the studiers themselves cannot observe it faster than the speed of light. Right. But that's why they're saying it's instant, and they I think they know it's instant. That's why they said seemingly, because that's that's the part that's really hard hard to um, study, because people aren't faster than the speed of light. Right. Even if their instruments are super fast, they can't quite 
measure that, but they know they change automatically together. So to, to me, what does that say about things that we say? Well, we know we all come from one source, or this is what I feel, meaning we all came from the same piece of energy, so we're all still entangled. I feel that's the web. We talk about that energetic web between mm -hmm. everybody. Yeah. And we know humans emit photons, and photons communicate. So to me, that's why we can read someone else's energy at a distance. To mm -hmm. me, that's why we can send... Reiki to somebody at a distance or healing to somebody at a distance because we're already quantumly entangled with their photons. Does that make sense? That's yeah. what I drive from that. Are yeah, it makes connected? me think of it makes me think of the whole concept even to to make it a little this is not simplifying it, but maybe more relatable to everybody. Do you know when a mother for some reason suddenly is worried about a child their child? Oh yes. yeah. And then they've contact the child and something happened mm -hmm. or yeah. like a love, you know, a spouse or something like that. Sometimes you just know like mm -hmm. something's wrong. And I think that's exactly what you've created this bond. And I think true. Yes. We all come from, I believe that also that we all come from an original source of energy, mm -hmm. right. That we are sparked from or we originate from mm -hmm. in some form or fashion. Big bang. Right. Right there. But at the same time, I think we have stronger connections with those that we spend time with that, you know, our mothers because they carried us or our Absolutely. loved ones because we spend, you know, our spouses, our children, all of we create those bonds and, and strengthen them even more so, which I think allows us to have a better understanding of each other. Yeah. But right. this is where it gets confusing, I think, as a psychic medium, as a spiritual medium, we can talk with complete strangers mm -hmm. and offer potential outcomes of situations. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because as a medium, we recognize that energetic web that Kristen mentioned. Mm -hmm. We are open up to the concept that there is a universal consciousness. Yeah. Right. Right. And that we are aware of the energy communication between that goes back to the entities. first thing we just talked about too. You're combining almost both things. The the ob the observer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That Mac makes a difference. Man, you just tied it all together, Nicole. Look at that. <laughs> but anyway, that's also fascinating. You know, that's just our interpretation of what that could mean in spirituality, but it makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Take this information and explore it for yourself. Have conversations mm -hmm. like this with your friends. Or with us. Or with us, yeah. <laughs> Because sometimes so, some people aren't into those conversations, but we are. Yeah. And we are still working on creating that Facebook group so you guys can speak with each other and mm -hmm. connect with each other and have those spiritual conversations with like-minded people. So stay yeah. tuned. We're working on it. So earlier we were talking about some studies done that supported things in spirituality, but there have also been more specific studies done on mediums themselves. The Winbridge Research in Arizona has done studies with mediums and sitters to test whether they could potentially be talking to the deceased person or not. What's cool is they've done triple blind and quintuple blind studies um, using mediums and sitters. And there's okay. a few. Okay. What is triple and quintuple blind mean? <laughs> So triple blind would mean three people being blind to some kind of protocol in the test. Mm -hmm. Quintuple blind is five people. So the quintuple so they don't blind, know they don't know what the test is for or the study is for? Sort of. I'll explain that in a second. Okay. But okay, first I'm gonna explain the theories of people who are skeptical of mediums. So there's some scientists that believe that psychic phenomena is possible but not mediumship because right. they think we're always reading the sitter. Right. So that was one thing they wanted to try to test. The other thing is a cold reading where mm. we would just read, like look at mm. the person, like somebody who would be deceptive. Okay. I can cold read you based on the way you look, dress, act. So they wanted to take that out too. They wanted to do it at a distance and they wanted to make sure the medium had nothing to go on so they could really say that this information was from no 
prior knowledge or sensory feedback. Mm -hmm. So what they did, they had mediums do a phone reading, but the person, the sitter was never actually on the phone. Mm -hmm. All they were given, and this was from like across the country, I think, all over. And these were certified mediums through the Winbridge Research Center. They would only give them the first name of a deceased person. Mm -hmm. That was it. Okay. So what the sitter, why the sitter was blind is because they would then just give them the reading report, but they would give them the reading report in a decoy reading that was not theirs to test the accuracy. And they didn't know which one was their actual reading. So they had to rate the accuracy on the two readings that they, it's written readings. Oh, so they they were given two written readings. Two. There's a real one and a decoy. They don't know which one is a decoy. Because the other theory was it's just general information that anybody could make up, right? Yeah. Like Like vague, vague. Yeah, very vague. Yeah. So they had to rate the two readings. And the, the quintuple blind part is the researchers themselves did not know which one was the real reading and the decoy reading either. So nobody could accidentally give a hint. You know, there were so many people in between that had no prior knowledge of certain things. So mm-hmm. when the sitter would get the two readings, they would rate them on accuracy. So the reading that was actually the real one, they rated much higher in accuracy. So what that told them was that they the medium is getting information without being deceptive and that they had no prior sensory feedback or information because all they had was a first name of the deceased person. That was it. And so... When they looked at those ratings, they were much higher for the real reading for them. So if the reading, the real reading wasn't higher than the fake reading, right, then it would be considered, okay, it's just general information. Does that make sense? Yes. But so because of the way they did that, that took out the possibility of the psychic connecting with the sitter's energy only because they never saw the sitter. So that takes out that theory. Does that also make sense? Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's a reason, there's a few reasons why they did it that way. So something that's super fascinating for us is the fact that several well-known mediums have had brain scans performed while giving readings. Teresa Caputo, Tyler Henry, and Laura Lynn Jackson are just a few of them. Based on Laura Lynn Jackson's book, The Light Between Us, Dr. Jeff Tarrant, perform an QEEG on her while she was giving a reading. The cool thing is that the normal brain wave range is 0 to 60 microvolts, but Laura Lynn Jackson was high as 150 microvolts. So That's cool. wild. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a really interesting part. Um, I have the book out right now, and she says something really interesting, and then the doctor also says something about it, and she says, and because my brain is basically the same as everyone else's, it's not an alien brain or a cyborg brain, it's a standard human brain, it is possible, Jeff reasoned, that this mechanism exists in all our brains. Mm-hmm. He says, we, maybe we all have it, and maybe in the future we'll be able to teach people how to get into the altered state you are able to enter. Hell yeah. I think that's absolutely true. We know how to get you into that altered state. Yes, we do. We totally help you. (laughs) What is that called? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to reach out. Start with a letter what? Can I get an M for 500? (laughs) (laughs) Meditation. So there's also an article from LiveScience.com called How a Medium's Brain Changes in a Trance. And what they found was that engaging in automatic writing, so if you don't know what automatic writing is, it's when you get into this meditative state and you hold a pen in your hand or you sit in front of the computer and you kind of just let energy move through your body and writing comes through without thought, right? Mm -hmm. So they were doing this study where what people were engaging in automatic writing in their brain's frontal lobe showed lower levels of activity, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. And this would usually be needed in order to generate language, problem-solving, focus, self-awareness, and consciousness. 
And that area should be super active when you're writing because you have to think and process it before you write, right? You have to think of the words that you want to use mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But when you're doing automatic writing, you're not thinking. You're allowing mm-hmm. the energy to flow through you. Mm-hmm. So the medium's brain that was being scanned during normal writing versus automatic writing was very different. Other brain scan studies on mediums have shown that the brain waves change a lot during a reading as well. They often change from beta waves, which are brain waves when you're in an awakened state, conscious, you're thinking, you know, your brain's busy. And when mediums would do readings, it would change to an alpha state, which is super relaxed with your eyes closed, or even theta waves, which is sleep, light sleep or dream state. And I think other people have gone into deeper brain waves as well when they've had those scans on them. You know, scientists are willing to say, okay, there's something happening in the brain of mediums. Right. They're willing to admit that. Yeah, and I think it surprised them. (laughs) I think it did because they were like, you know, they're just doing the same, you know, they're not doing anything. But it literally changes their brain waves. Right, which should be more evidence to the fact that we're not just pulling stuff out of our butts. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, it, are they willing to admit that they we're are speaking not, I'm with sure. spirit? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, but they'll say, okay, there's something happening in the b- brains of mediums that we cannot explain. They mm-hmm. should be asleep right now based on their brain waves, but they are not. They are talking. So as you have seen through this podcast episode about science and spirituality, they are slowly – merging in a sense very slowly Mm -hmm. but there's more and more scientific evidence showing that there is something going on that we don't understand fully that we don't see that we might not experience ourselves and others might experience so don't be so quick to be closed-minded if someone comes to you and says that they have spiritual experiences Mm -hmm. consider the possibility that there's way more to it that you just haven't found out and you haven't explored yet. So take this opportunity to look further into the studies we've talked about, the institutes we've brought up, and explore and gain your own knowledge. We're going to share some links and some information, some of the books that we've named. We'll put that in the description, so please check that out. There's a lot of great resources out there to help Mm -hmm. support the science behind spirituality. It's so interesting. I love it all. (laughs) So if you missed our last episode, listen to it because it was amazeballs. It was all about psychic abilities in history and culture. Stay tuned because our next episode will drop in a week and it's all about the 12 universal laws. Ooh, I'm excited. That would be cool. We are so super glad you joined us here at the Spiritual Rabbit Hole. Remember, your time with us doesn't have to end here. Keep exploring at soulandavoyage.com for more spiritual resources and services. And remember, subscribe. So you can take advantage of everything. Follow us on Instagram at soulandavoyage. Thanks for being part of our community. Love ya. Peace out. Bye for now.